Welcome to Rockstar Today, the podcast that helps musicians quit their day jobs. Show notes can be found on rockstartoday.com forward slash podcast. You will also find a link to sign up to the Rockstar Today Backstage Pass Facebook group. And now your host, Randall. So welcome to Rockstar Today, the podcast that helps musicians quit their day jobs. I'm so excited because we have our very first guest that is a TED Talk speaker, which <laughs> I, and I love her talk. Uh, Melanie uh, Sodka, which is like she just said, it's like vodka, but with an S. She spoke at one of my events. Uh, I do tech events with a, a company called Channel Next. And I had her come and speak at one of our events in Toronto, and it was a smash hit. For two days, people kept talking about capacity, capacity, capacity. And I think that this topic is extremely valuable for any musician. I, I know, uh, Melanie, you are a, a writer, you're a speaker, because I have heard you speak. You're an all-around great person whom we met in person at an event called Archangel, uh, where we both kind of collaborated on something that kind of changed the dynamics of uh, that year's event by giving some suggestions. So that was kind of fun. So we kind of met serendipitously, serendip- well, we kind of met by <laughs> haphazard. And uh, it was great. Uh, we've been, you know, corresponding and kind of checking up on each other ever since and uh, very proud of all the work that you're doing. And, and I, I feel it's a great message. Thank you. That was a beautiful introduction. And uh yeah, I admire you as well. I mean, I've seen you speak and you are so eloquent and humorous and uh, just the way that you hold the room and create space for everybody is, uh, I admire that. So thanks for having me today. Well, let's get into it. Um, the talk that you gave was all about capacity. And as you can see by your background, capacity <laughs> creator is your brand. So tell us a little bit about maybe what started you down this journey of capacity and maybe uh, after that we'll discuss what it means and how we can apply it to musicians. Yeah, sounds good. So really how this brand became uh, was, I mean, you know, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we typically start something by scratching our own itch. And that is something that, um, that that's what happened to me is that I had hit this point of burnout um, through work and overcommitment and saying yes too much and being overwhelmed. And I thought, okay, I have to do something about this because I can't be the only one hitting this, this plateau. I can't be the only one hitting these, these burnout stages. So I sat back and I just researched and I observed and I listened to people. And I thought, this is not a time management issue. This is not a prioritization issue. It is clearly a personal and a professional capacity issue. And so I started to categorize and organize and watch for patterns and was able to create like just a quick self-diagnostic tool called the capacity matrix, where you can really see what state of capacity that you might be spending more of your time in. And from there, we can add tools and resources to help people deconstruct their, their commitment patterns. And I think musicians would probably really understand this if we talk about flow. So a musician would have this creative flow. And, you know, when you're writing or, or you're, you know, you're onto some new piece of music and you're just in the zone and it's just coming out like as if it's channeling right through you, you can be in, in flow. But I think if you're over capacity, uh, that might break your flow or it might not allow you to, to fully develop that part of your, 
your career of creating new things. Is there a, a correlation between flow and overcapacity? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'm not going to claim to be any musician, but I do have my grade eight piano and my grade two theory and uh, my kids are, are, are playing music. So, you know, I do have a little bit of, of, you know, knowledge about the music industry. I haven't created songs or anything, but uh, definitely, you know, a lot of creative people, whether you're in music or you're in physical arts or you're a writer, um, there is a flow. And there's a lot of different conditions that create that flow. For example, a lot of people can create their best work under pressure. Um, and I would be one of those people. So really when there's a deadline and there's something that needs to be met, those conditions under pressure and timelines and deadlines really allow me to get into a flow to be able to create some of my best work. So what happens though in our capacity is that, you know, the time leading up to that deadline, we're soaking and we're really trying to, you know, we're, we're mulling over some ideas and then we, our output um, really manifests itself. But the capacity leading up to that needs to be managed and we need to pay attention to that. So what happens too is that there's no plan B, there's no contingency. If we don't create at that last minute under pressure in this example, uh, we're done. You know, there, there's, there's no redo. It's just the timeline is here. So I think really trying to understand um, there's a nexus as, as it has to do with capacity and the flow that you're speaking. And in order to reach that nexus, in order to have that healthy capacity, you need energy, passion, and fulfillment. And you have to be paying attention to all three of those in order to maintain a healthy capacity. Right? You need to maintain that energy. You have to stay connected to that passion and you really have to be able to feel that fulfillment in order to continue to produce great music um, as such for your audience. What would be some of the signs that you're over capacity? <laughs> that you're, take, you know, it's, it's, you're saying yes too much. Uh, what are some of the side effects of that lifestyle? Yeah, you know, I, as I take a deep breath, as I answer that question, um, we've all been overwhelmed. Um, we've all been to that point where we think we're going to snap. And one of the, the analogies I use is an, is an elastic of the rubber band. And I usually have one on my desk. You took a rubber band and you stretched it and you stretched it. And every time you stretched it, it actually it actually uh, mimicked um, a, a commitment. You know, you compound these commitments and your body starts to feel and it starts to feel stretched, like you're going to snap. Shoulders become tight. We become really irritable. We become really um, recluse too. Like we don't really want to engage with too many people because we're stressed. And this stress hormone, we, it's an interesting one, Randall, because there's this addiction to adrenaline that creates this stress. Um, but it's not, we shouldn't really misinterpret that with the, the actual stress that's creating burnout. So in the whole in the whole matrix, that stress is used in a responsible way, which I call indulgent. Really helps the creative process. But if we're overindulging in yes, um, you can start to feel these these symptoms that are yeah you're you're irritable. Um, you don't want to speak to anybody, and these are things that can cause you to become ill and physically unwell. Because mm -hmm. it, it is true that uh, emotions could come out as motion so it could be yeah. the way that you your you compose yourself or your body language says a lot about how you feel and if uh, you're going into let's say an interview I, I interview a lot of bands uh, lately if you're not uh, fully into the interview 
you know, luckily it hasn't happened. I, I have had great interviews and it seems that I have people that were engaged, but I could just see how uh, if somebody is, you know, finished their tour, the, the timings may be wrong, or if they just overly tired and they just can't get into it, it could be very difficult. You're not uh, holding on to your narrative because it, it just portrays you as maybe not caring, but that just might be that one hour of that one day and that you're just sure. overly, you know, out of capacity. Yeah, you are. I mean, it's like, you know, if you fill a cup, I mean, you just, you can't, you have to empty some out before letting some, some new stuff in. Right. And if you're always walking around at this full cup where it's going to tip over or spill over, you know, imagine trying to carry this full cup all day long and not trying to spill anything over. Like it's mentally taxing. It's emotionally taxing. It's physically taxing. Um, so really paying attention to like, how full is that cup? And are you leaving space for things that you need to, um, and that, and that, or that you're passionate about, right? It comes back to that full capacity, that nexus. I'll give you an example of maybe sure. we have a musician that has a lot on their plate. What's mm -hmm. a good way to take control of your time? Is there an easy way to say no? Is there a way that might be more like a, I think you know where I'm going with this because I, I, I started using it myself and I've given it some advice based on something you said. So I'm hoping that you say it. <laughs> Yes. Um, and this is like a practical solution for people. It's actually giving people language. So I'm glad you brought this up because it's probably one of the easiest things that people can apply in their daily vocabulary um, and in their language to help manage that capacity. And because often I know I've, I've actually oddly enough been working with musicians during this time to see what can they do like in a venue or how can they help like there's there's uh, band management um, teams that I'm working with and how do they continue to work during this pandemic. And everybody wants to do everything because they don't want to miss out on something, right? And this is why we don't say no enough or we, we really want to be able to help people. We're people pleasers. Um, and so one of the things we can say to people when we're asked to do something and we really don't have the capacity, we really don't have the energy, oftentimes our default will be when we're pushed to the wall, right? We say, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I just don't have time. And there's like, that, that feels a bit standoffish, but if you replace that, oh, you're going to say something. Well, I was going to say that that makes, would make me feel like I don't have time for you. Yeah. So it kind of uh, puts the other person down a little bit and saying I'm more important, but now I want you to continue about what's a better way to say it that yes. makes them understand that it's not about them. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting to the point, right? I've kind of strung this one along, but I just wanted to draw that delineation between I don't have time, which makes people feel not so great to I'm sorry. I just don't have the capacity for that right now. Or thank Ooh. you for considering me. I just don't have the capacity for that right now. And that's such a more diplomatic way that will kind of leave that awkwardness in a peaceful state. You're yeah. saying no, but it's it's such a, a nice way to say it and just say like, listen, my backpack is full, dude. I can't carry anything else in it. And yeah, that, that's a great exactly. way to, to deal with that. I think, especially like you were saying, uh, I'm hoping that this podcast is listened to years to come. But uh, I mean, the, the reality of the situation is that right now we're in the middle of uh, kind of at the tail end of the panic phase of the COVID nineteen pandemic. All the shows have been canceled. We don't know when they're going to be uh, coming back. Musicians are kind of in this middle Limbo. ground where they don't yeah. know 
should I book for next year? Should I book for September? And then there's all this pressure to do something to stay relevant. As music lovers, I, I'm sure that you have the same thing. You, we're kind of bombarded by all these live shows, these live streaming shows, and it's just, it's overwhelming, even for us. Uh, I don't have time to listen to every, every single band. Like bands I haven't heard of for like 20, 30 years are doing live streaming because yes. they can. So, um, for sure. It's, it's and it's become, nice. Like, it's been nice to hear. And, and I'm glad people are doing that. And it just raises an interesting thing because maybe this could be relevant for some of your listeners too. Um, you know, I'm working with a, um, a company in Hamilton who books shows and who works with talent. So they manage talent as well. And, you know, it was, you know, Peter Katz actually is, I don't know if you know who he is, but he, he's, he's pretty big in Ontario and I believe Canada and he's doing um, live streaming, but you can book these private um, concerts with him for family members. And he's also doing live streaming. So I think like finding ways to be relevant, to get back attention, but then also to keep earning revenues in a, in a way, in an authentic way. I think that there's something that people have to think about as we go through this too. And as the model changes, like, when do you think, when do you think we'll be back in a stadium with 5,000 people, 10,000 people? It might be two years. Right. Uh, until they, they have some sort of way to control this or they're probably not going to take that risk. No. Uh, so it, it's a little sad because I, you know, we're, we're looking at, people whose income was decimated when everything went online. Uh, you can't, you can get a record contract, but it's not the same as it was back in the Led Zeppelin days where you, know, you, you basically threw TVs at the window. Uh, right. now, I mean, you don't have that budget, first of all. Uh, so everything has changed. That's the reason why I'm doing the show. That's why I'm the reason I'm talking to you because any advice from within the music business is even before all this wasn't relevant anymore because it's changed so much. So I wanted to get some advice yeah. from entrepreneurs and the people that I tend to, uh, you know, hang out with and, and listen to and get some information from. And the things that apply for my business in IT or the speaking business can apply just as much to musicians. So it's really interesting that we think about alternative ways to do things. And it's really the way to go forward. Now, when a musician has, their livelihood taken away from them, which is touring right now. You're left with merchandising, a little bit, and what else? So it's going to be time to be much more creative, but also make sure that they spend their time on the right things. So capacity is also about probably not using your capacity for things that are not important. How does that apply? Well, that and that's it, because I will tell you out of the different businesses that I have worked with over the last six to seven weeks during this pandemic, um, the constant thing that I hear from people who have lost businesses, who have lost money, their lives have changed. It doesn't matter their circumstances is that there there's there's this gratitude for this time because this time has given people the capacity to look at their business model that they haven't done in like 10 years that they mm -hmm. haven't looked at right and so it's given them this opportunity to really think about what is it that i love doing what have i lost touch with what do i need to reconnect with what did, what did i get into this business for in the first place and how do i not reinvent myself but how do i get connected to that again and then create you know a newer revised business model so that's been really refreshing for people 
I think, you know, not everybody's in the same situation, but again, even people who have lost money, even people who are on the brink of closure still express this, this sense of gratitude to be able to look at that. And I think people should be doing that. Um, taking a break, even restoring your health. That's part of this whole model as well is like mm -hmm. looking at, you know, musicians run at frenetic paces because often you're at the mercy of bookings. You're at the mercy of when people want you. And typically it seems to come all at once. And so really these, these frenetic paces are not good for, for people's health. So again, how do you retool? How do you reset to move forward again in a way that you can continue to do this for another decade? Um, because at the pace pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, I think people were moving along at like neck breaking paces and it just wasn't sustainable. Yeah. So I think people are taking the time to just look at the business model again, hire a coach or work with a coach. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff that is pretty reasonable out there too. And people who, who want to help you, who will help you um, just, just to really pivot, if you will. And I know that word has a bit of a ick feeling to it right now, but. Pivot. <laughs> pivot right now people are just like pivot oh do you really know the meaning of pivot and you know it means to like turn on itself and and you know just to move from the center point but you have to move you know from your why and change yeah. your what but stay connected to your why it's simon's next work it's it's beautiful i know that i, I was a kind of a comparing it to a sailboat uh mm. you know, maybe in the good old days of music and the music business uh, you were sailing with this, you know, the wind was at your back and you just yeah. put up your sail and boom, you get the record contract, everything's paid for, you're living the life. Uh, and, and then, you know, different things happen in the music business and the wind kind of died down a bit. Now the musicians are, they're basically going against the wind. Yeah. And I mean, if you're, if you're a sailor, you know that that doesn't mean that you can't go forward. You just have to kind of zigzag and do different things. So uh, there is still a path forward, but it might be different than what you're used to doing. I love it. And it makes me think too of like when all music went online, when it became digital and people stopped buying CDs, what did musicians do, right? Like it's just the nature of the business. We all have to, and I mean, it, the, I guess the, 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 the changes are very different from, from industry to industry, but the adaptability, the flexibility, the innovation that comes with it is out there, like you said, and it may not be a straight line. You will have to zigzag to get there, but it seems to be like every decade, every 10 years, there is some sort of like blow up, you know, of different proportions that hit us that we need to respond to. And, and, and it could be thinking completely outside the box. I mean, I came up with this idea and, and I, I'm going to share it. This is the first time I share it with anyone. Uh, okay, Randall's yeah. ideas are brilliant. So I'm super excited to be part of the time that you're sharing ideas because you are a brilliant person, my friend. I came up with this uh, about, I want to figure out how can bands, specifically indie bands, bands that might not have any money coming in from uh, big streaming contracts or, you know, having their music on TV shows or things like that. Some of the smaller bands, how can we keep these bands alive? And I figured, wouldn't it be nice if every single... Uh, website that these bands have have some sort of a tip jar and I gave it a name give five tag five Thanks. So what I would think is a, a very small amount five bucks I think that it should be a challenge almost like the ice bucket challenge you pick a local band and if they're if they're participating in this you tip them five dollars and you put on social media and you tag five of your friends and you ask them to pick 
one, only one band, give them $5 and tag five friends. And exponentially, it's just going to go up higher and higher. And, you know, it might only be $5 and it's not a big pain for us to give away that money. But if we do it to a couple of people and it kind of goes exponentially, it could really, you know, at least give them some sort of hope that there's something coming in. I love it. I think, I think it's brilliant because I think we do, we like, we have five bucks to give. I mean, we listen to music. We we're used to purchasing music. I mean, well, some of our generations are used to purchasing music, but I think, I think it's great. We got to get the, you got to get this going. I think that's amazing. Give five tag five. I I'll support it hundred percent. Let's get this going. See, you have these brilliant ideas. Well, that's the thing when we're talking about capacity, uh, when, when I, I always think about your talk. It really uh, affected me for a lifetime, I would say. Uh, your wow. message and the, what you preach, because you live it, but you, you said it in such a way that it, it applies to anything, because we right. all have this problem where we say yes too much. Unless you're really an introvert and you're like a, a shut-in, but uh, if you're a normal person, you, you can easily get overwhelmed with uh, commitments and things like that. And I think what happened when uh, this, this self-quarantine came is I, for, for me personally, I was extremely busy because I'm, I have a, I'm in tech as well. So tech yeah. sector kind of boomed for a little while, but I also, you know, stayed at home more after that initial boom, it kind of died down. And I started thinking more about priorities in life. And I think that's something that musicians, and I think it goes with your message is about when you're thinking about capacity, we have to, or if we, if we're thinking about that, that glass of water, that's on the edge of being full, what are we filling it with? Is it only music? Is it only work? Or are we taking time with family? Are we taking time for ourselves, for uh, whether it's our health or spirituality or any other thing? Like in your experience, what do you find as a good mixed match for uh, a person's capacity? It's a good thing you asked that. I was going to share my, sc- I was going to share my screen, but I can't for some reason. So um, I'll ask your, your listeners to play along with me. Um, those who can't see or those who can't see. But if you look at your capacity, we measure everything else, right? We measure the weather, we measure time, we measure our weight, we measure calories, we measure everything. However, we just don't take account of our capacity in a similar way. And so what I do with a lot of clients and in my speaking engagements is I have this line and it's, it's a linear line and it has two lines at the end, right? Which signifies that you cannot go beyond the lines <laughs> because that means that you're overstretching. So what is it with the, within that capacity, on that capacity line, what are you allocating your personal capacity to? And so what I help people understand is some people are like, well, I don't know. What, what, what does that mean? You have to find the different categories in your life that are the most meaningful, that you are the most passionate about, that are the things that really are the most realistic um, things in your life that are going on. So I'll, I'll give you an acronym to help delineate some of these categories that people are really paying attention to. So chief is the acronym. So are you the chief of your capacity? So on this line, the C stands for career. So how much capacity are you actually allocating for career or to career? The H is for health. So how much of that are you spending on, you know, really eating healthy, um, physical activity, things like that? Uh, the I in chief is for intellectual. So what are you reading? What are you consuming that is, you know, making you uh, a better person, you know, helping you be more productive or, or you know, conversely, what are you consuming or over consuming that might be detrimental to your mental health, right? So we got to figure that out. 
emotional capacity, right? These are things we're like social, spiritual. These are the pieces that really help us feel connected as a human being. So how much capacity are we allocating to that? And then there's a financial piece. And that could be interpreted in many different ways, but it's still something we need to pay attention to. And I added an, an extra F <laughs> for fun. Right? Because yeah, the, the F is the silent F. The F is is like how much fun are we infusing? What are those hobbies? What are these things that we're doing to keep us laughing and to keep us happy? Because all of those uh, letters in that acronym are interdependent. If your emotional capacity is suffering, you're probably going to be suffering in the intellectual capacity, which will probably suffer um, or impact the career part of that acronym in your capacity. So getting back to that line, looking at how much capacity you're allocating currently, right? Not desired state right now, but what does it look like currently? And Randall, this is an eye opener for so many people because they're like, wow, 90% of my capacity is allocated to my career, which means the other 10% health, family, financial, emotional, intellectual, they only get 10%. And between them all. Between them all, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that is where people say, okay, wait a minute, I'm completely out of balance. I probably need to retool, shift some things, optimize some areas. So that's where we start to work on where is it that you might be inefficient, distracted, trying to multitask um, so that we can get back to a, a, the right balance for them. Is there a tool that you suggest to analyze yourself if you're at full capacity or do you have a test that you recommend or do you have one yourself? I do. I have an assessment that can give you a bit of a benchmark or a starting point. So okay. it, you can just go to the capacitycreator.com website and just take the test, a 10 question quiz, and it will let you know where you're sitting in terms of what state of capacity you're currently in. And along with the, you'll get the results instantly. Uh, and then, then there's some research and some uh, other information to support you, to help you in that. So that's there for you for free. Cool. Any other advice you could think of where capacity would come into when it comes to a, a musician, just trying to sort through all the things they have to do. I'm just thinking of a, a situation where you're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, you want to retreat into yourself. Uh, you're feeling like that overcapacity. And we did touch about how to say no to future things, but how can we, let's say, get out of things we've committed to, but can't deliver on? Because we often overcommit. Is that something that we can work on too? Do you have any suggestions for that? You know, it is as simple as going back and using the same language. Um, you know, if you have to bow out of something, um, there's this essence of resigning that I often speak about. So after we do a bit of an audit on someone's capacity, it becomes clear what this person needs to resign from. And it might not be like something uh, in terms of a job or, or a commitment, maybe it's a behavior. So whether it's a behavior that you know, keeps you over committing all the time and it's like your biggest offender, it's a thing that we pinpoint and we really work to remove that behavior. If it's a commitment, Again, using language such as, I'm really sorry, um, it, whether it's an apology or not, you don't have to put the apology, maybe it's not mm -hmm. an apology, but it's just recognizing that when you communicate to that person, be really honest. At this point, I'm overcommitted. I just don't have the capacity to continue to be part of this or to support this or to be on this committee or whatever that is. 
And again, these things are difficult to do, but it's necessary. And using that language gives you a little bit more of that mutual understanding with the other person. It feels like it's an easier thing to deliver and communicate rather than making up an excuse, which a lot of us might do, uh, lying to get out of something. And that's just not the best way to go. You don't feel great about that, but being honest and using that language can definitely help you uh, manage and respect your own capacity. And isn't it true that when you say yes to something, you're basically saying no to something else? Yeah. It kind of goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. That it is like the easiest part or the, the easiest part to understand about this is every time we say yes to this, like you and I are doing this and we've said yes to this because I adore your company for sure. And I'm so happy to be able to have this discussion with you. But I've said no to my family who I think are watching Star Wars right now. Right. So they're out there and they're watching it. They're getting all cut up. I have two little kids. But that's okay. I planned for this. I knew that you and I were going to be speaking. So that no to the family, I'm okay with because I've taken that into consideration. Um, and so I think that's also important when you are balancing and you're looking at your capacity line, you know, that family piece, I'm okay doing this because I've spent all day with them. So it's a give and take. So every time you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else and make sure it's a good no. Ooh, I like that. So people can find you at capacitycreator.com. Yes. Of course, they can take this, that, that assessment, which can be very valuable, just uh, uh, taking the time. I think it's, it's extremely valuable during this time, especially if you're uh, in between tours or if you're actually listening to this in the next few weeks. There are no tours, so you definitely have some time. And working on uh, self-improvement or self-development personal development is something that uh, you and I both share. We go to events, we spend a lot of money to, uh, to do this, but what do you see as the value of uh, pursuing this knowledge? Is, do you see a, an ROI or a return on investment when you read a book or attend an event, even if it costs money? What do you get out of it yourself personally, Melanie? I come out like a creative lunatic. And I mean that in like the most positive way. Like I can't stop writing. My brain is going, it's like somebody lit a fire under my, you know, within this creative realm. And, and it really is something that, again, I create capacity for. It's a big yes. You know, when we go away to these things for the weekend, it's a huge financial um, piece of our capacity. It's also a huge um, emotional and, you know, family capacity piece that we need to consider. So, you know, doing that is really, really good. But understanding that that that's sacred time and and i wanted to say that too especially to the 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 musical community the musical community you they've gotten into this this realm of work because they're brilliant and they produce things that make people feel things like this is an art a talent that is like beyond what most people can understand and so really protecting the capacity to continue to be brilliant, to continue to write, to continue to be creative is so, so important. So if you're multitasking, if you're distracted, if you're over committing, you are eroding that you know, brilliant creator part of you. And so really understanding that getting back to the thing that you love, the thing that you're good at, the thing that people want you to continue to do and that appreciate you for, protect that. We have to strip away the distraction. We have to strip away the multitasking and the overcommitment. Because if you're brilliant today, you may not be able to continue that if we keep letting that seep in. And I think, uh, I mean, even though the words you chose to describe this program, 
is capacity creator. And creating is an act of, of it's an invention. It's, it's a, a creation is beautiful. Musicians create wonderful songs and melodies and, and hooks mm -hmm. and all these things. But uh, without the capacity, you cannot create anything. No. So uh, I think there's a lot of uh, value in taking the time, uh, seeing how this can apply to you as a musician, uh, how can it apply to us as a, a father, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It can, it, there's so many applications. That I'm so, so thankful that we got to talk about it and kind of expand on that. I hope that you know, people take that test, the assessment, and find out where they're spending too much time and where they need to maybe... Uh, you know, it's, it's like a, an EQ on music, you know, there's levels. And sometimes if there's too much bass, you can't hear what's the, the vocals. And some, so you gotta. It's you a gotta, great analogy. Yes. So thank yeah. you so much, Melanie. I am so happy that you were on the show. I'll put everything in the show notes. I hope you have an amazing day and go back to your Star Wars kids. <laughs> my, in my family, as you can see, if you're watching this in the video, I've got the, some Star Wars swag behind me. So I'm, a, and we call ourselves a Star Wars. Right, of course. Yeah. And, I, and I'm Rand Solo. Ah. So, uh, yeah, big Star Wars influence. So uh, we appreciate that. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. And I thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. If you enjoy the show, share it with other musicians. Help us spread the word. Theme song written and performed by Wolves at Midnight. Thanks for listening to the Rockstar Today podcast. Now go out there and rock your business like you rock the stage.